Hi, this is Elizabeth, and I've listened to every single episode of the When Dating Hurts podcast. I have not been in an abusive relationship myself, but I've had friends who have, and it's good to know the signs early to get out early. Bill, thank you for all that you do. The When Dating Hurts podcast is rated one of the most popular relationships podcasts in the world. Why is that? It's our guests. Whether you're listening to subject matter experts or domestic violence survivors, you know you're hearing what you need to know. And that is the truth about dating and domestic violence. Why it happens, how it happens, when it happens, where it happens, and how victims become survivors. This podcast is a powerful way for you, your friends, and your family to stay informed and stay safe. Thank you for your support. Hi, it's Bill Mitchell, and it's just me on this particular episode. Just me. I just wanted to give a bit of a snapshot as to where we are at this point in our journey with this podcast, the When Dating Hurts podcast. At our third anniversary, we are in a much more successful spot than I would have ever imagined. When I first started this, I wasn't thinking about how many downloads we might get. Or As of today, which is January 2024, we just passed the 840,000 download mark. And at the rate we're going, we will hit a million one day. It'll probably be in March, which is really only a couple months to go from here. One of the best changes that we made was to encourage survivors to come on and to tell their stories. And that's something that I started to do in September of 2022. And since that time, there has been a good, steady stream of survivors that have stepped up and said they wanted to tell their story to the whole world, really. We get downloads from all around the world. Of course, the United States is in first place with the most downloads. I would never have guessed that Australia is in second place. Canada is in third place. And then it just goes on from there. I mean, we get downloads from absolutely everywhere. And when I say that, I mean China, Russia, everywhere, all around the world. And I'm very happy about that. In the fall of 2020, I started to encourage survivors to come forth and see if they would tell their stories. Now, I had gone to some domestic violence agencies and asked them if they could speak with some survivors and ask them if they would come on and tell their stories, and the agencies did not want to do that. And I understand that because the thinking was, why would they want to come on and tell the world about some of the most disturbing events they had ever experienced in their entire lives? And so I didn't push it. But I was on someone else's podcast in the fall of 2022, and I just mentioned that if you're a survivor and you want to come on, and tell your story that I'd be happy to 
see that it took place and that it got put together and that it would air. And so I'm very happy that we did that. And I should say about survivors who have come on and spoken that they are so articulate, they remember so much detail, they just have it all put together. And they're just such brave people and have to get a lot of credit for sharing. And I have to say here, they are reliving the worst times of their lives. You know, most of us try to take the worst parts of our lives and let it go. Just let it go. They don't want to do that. They want to tell the world. They want to share because they know it's going to be helpful, and it has been helpful. And the one thing I think that maybe they didn't realize and I didn't realize was that in sharing their stories, it all became very cathartic to them. Some of them have said to me, this was the first time that they had told their entire story from the very beginning to today. First time they had ever done that ever. Not in front of family members before, not in front of therapists before. They just never had that venue where they could do it. This kind of safe environment, which is something that we try to have here, and I think we're doing it. And I should say that having survivors talk about domestic violence, these people lived it, and they were tricked into it, many of them. They found themselves in relationships that seemed like they were going in the right direction and didn't realize that every step of the way they were being manipulated and they were being worked till they got to the point where they felt helpless to get away. And it's great that they share that with people who might be at some of those early stages so they might question themselves and say, wow, that sounds like what's happening to me and maybe I need to pay more attention or maybe I ought to say goodbye to this relationship and get out now. When I created the When Dating Hurts book and then published it in 2020, I put a list of warning signs in there. And there are a few that I wished I had put in. And I just wanted to talk about that. Someone who lies to you all the time. I didn't have that one in there. I hadn't been told about that one. But the survivors who have come on this podcast have talked about it. And that is a real warning sign of an unhealthy relationship or an abusive relationship. Someone who is constantly caught up in lies keeps giving you a version of what's going on, not the truth. Someone who manufactures stories. Again, if this is something that's happening, if this is someone who you spend time with, you really might want to question whether you want to continue with that. And I certainly hope that you would not. Another warning sign area is when the whole relationship seems to be speeded up. That's a real warning sign, and that's one that I don't have in the book either. I just hadn't heard about it or learned about it when I wrote that book four years ago. But it's somebody who might be telling you they love you and acting like they really mean it, but you've known this person for a week or two. Maybe in your mind you're questioning if this really is true, but knowing what I know now and what I've heard so many times from people who are survivors of domestic violence, of dating violence, domestic violence, 
is that that was happening and they just kind of rolled with it at that time. And looking back, they realized, wow, that was a warning sign I didn't pick up on. Besides the I love you, it could be someone talking about marrying you. You've been dating for a week or two. And somebody who maybe wants to kind of call you, you know, misses and then uses their own last name. You know, sort of like just pushing this relationship into the future way too fast. That is a warning sign. And I should say that with warning signs, it's not that if you had a list of warning signs and you were ticking them off one after another, it doesn't mean that you're in an abusive relationship. It's that you should question whether you are in one and keep your eyes open. Because now, if there's a list of 20 warning signs you've seen and you are checking off those boxes fairly constantly, again, you should really ask yourself if this is something you want to sign up for. Because there are plenty of other people out there in the world who are fine and play fairly, share decision-making, on and on and on, etc., etc., I have been asked at different times why I do what I do. And for those who know a little bit about me, I lost my daughter in June of 2005. She had been dating a guy only a matter of five months or so. And she was trying to break off the relationship with him. And this was 20 days after her college graduation. And here's somebody who goes through four years of college at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia who wins a job with General Mills and is going to have a sales associate job starting soon. She graduated in June. The job is to start in July. And when she really evaluated what was going on and what was working in her life, she realized that the guy that she was dating was not someone she wanted to take into the future. All the warning signs were there, or at least a lot of them, I should say, were there. But she didn't know about that. Her friends didn't know about that. They just knew he was difficult, and they just knew that he was very controlling and that he was jealous of all of my daughter's friends. I mean, so a lot of the warning signs were there. They just didn't know that they were technically warning signs and that warning signs are there as alarms to tell you you might want to think about getting out of this. Well, she did think about getting out of it, and she tried to get out of that relationship, but unfortunately, she did it the wrong way, and she was innocent. She made the mistake of breaking up with him in her apartment all alone. That's something you just can't do either. You can't do that. Not with somebody who was as amped up as he had been that entire day, and then he just lost it, and the rest is what happened. So what do you do? How do you break up? The woman who is the prosecutor of the case said, and again, this is not easy if you're in high school, but the idea is that you do not want to be physically in the same place where that person is when you break up. You want to be far away. You want to do it by phone, You want to take yourself out of circulation, especially if that person is highly controlling, highly manipulative, and maybe somebody that you've seen who, when they don't get their way, gets angry and gets physical. So you don't want to be 
sitting in an apartment someplace with no one around, if you're thinking that that person for the first time is going to take bad news that you have decided to take control of this relationship and you want it over, that's probably not going to go very well. You would be giving that person the opportunity to try to get that relationship back together one way or another. From the time that my daughter Kristen was killed by this guy, I wanted to know as much as I could about dating and domestic violence. And I was very fortunate to be met by a lot of different people with domestic violence agency backgrounds who really knew so much. I knew nothing. Really, truly, I couldn't fill a thimble with what I knew about domestic violence, besides the cliches, the stereotypes about who it happens to, what are the circumstances. I basically knew nothing about it, and I knew I needed to be filled in, and I knew I really needed to be filled in if I was ever going to get up and give a talk in front of a group of people because I would be on thin ice with my knowledge. I dreaded the idea of doing question and answers at the end. I knew that if someone asked me why things like this happen, I couldn't answer them. I could do that now, of course. But I so much disliked what happened with my daughter that I didn't want any other parents to ever have to get that call from a detective one evening telling them that someone they dearly loved, like a daughter or a son even, was killed in a domestic violence murder. And I thought, I can't have what I want, which is my daughter, but I can maybe take my energy, take my time, my life, my dedication, and see what I could do for other people. And therefore the book, and therefore the audiobook, and therefore the speeches, and of course, therefore the When Dating Hurts podcast. I expect over the course of the next year to be interviewing more and more survivors. I would love to get some men on here who are survivors. I think the podcast in the three years that we have been around has had maybe three men step forward to tell their stories. And I know that there are many men out there who have been on the receiving end of abuse in relationships. And I think it would be valuable to everyone to have them come and tell their stories. We don't have to have their real names. We would just like to have their stories to share. Another area that I'd like to see us do more work in is to talk about financial abuse. We have had some domestic violence counselors talk about it but I'd like to have some survivors who can come and tell their stories of financial abuse because that's something that even when someone breaks up or is becomes divorced or whatever it is, getting away from their abuser, oftentimes their financial life has been ruined because that other person took control of it and ran off with the money or ran up all kinds of credit card debt did all kinds of things, and then left the other person holding the bag financially. And it takes forever for those people to get their credit back, to get back on their feet financially, even though they didn't do anything wrong. They were victims, financial victims of that other person. 
but the financial abuse is definitely a warning sign. I can say that thanks to the podcast, I know I've learned more about dating and domestic violence in the last three years than I had learned in the first 15 or 16 years after my daughter was killed. So as much as I am kind of the host or conduit of this information, I have benefited immensely through the sharing of our guests. And that could be domestic violence counselors, that could be mothers of survivors, that could be, and mostly is, actual survivors telling their stories. But I feel like I have hundreds of things I can talk about that three years ago I was not aware of. It is my hope that this podcast gives others hope. It is not my desire to be bringing you a bunch of sad stories that start off kind of sad and get sadder as they go along. I think that we have to hear about the awful things that some people do to other people so that we recognize them when they're happening around us, could be happening to us, could be happening to someone we care about. But we have to hear about them for us to then one day recognize them. So unfortunately, you have to kind of get down into it to understand it and to make sure that it doesn't happen to you. I hope that what goes through the minds of listeners in hearing the survivor stories is that they, they hear it, they picture it, they become sympathetic and empathetic listening, but I hope that they learn enough that if this kind of abuse comes anywhere near them, that they know what to do. They know how to tell it no. They know how to get away from it. They know how to protect themselves and others. That's my wish. I can only wish that there was something, there was some channeling of information way back in 2004 and 2005 for my daughter and her friends so that they would have known and therefore been ready for what actually happened. There were people back then who said to my daughter, you need to get some space from this guy. You need to be more objective about this guy. You're not really completely seeing him for what he is. And she had finally reached that point in that last week where she realized just enough about what everybody else was telling her about him. And that's why she tried to break up with him and did. But it didn't last very long because he attacked her. I've been asked by many people, do you think there is more domestic violence and dating violence or there is less going on in the world? And I can tell you what I get from domestic violence professionals who live this 24-7. And the answer is they don't know if there's more. There is more reporting. There are more people talking about it, which might make you think that there is more of it. But that is not necessarily so. But I do know, burying your head in the sand, because things like dating and domestic violence couldn't happen to you because you would never let it. Or 
thinking, well, that doesn't happen around people like me, or that doesn't happen in neighborhoods like ours. And I just want to tell you that is so wrong. It does happen to all kinds of people. The people it doesn't happen to are those who pay attention and give it some time and learn about it a little bit. You don't have to dedicate your life to the warning signs, but you have to have a feel for it, for what the manipulation looks like. Education leads to empowerment. We used to have that on our Run Walk t-shirts years ago, and it's true. When you have a good sense of what all of this is about, then you're kind of ready. You know, I've gotten my education the hard way, but I can tell you that if I hear someone could be in a store, someone talking to somebody in a certain way or acting a certain way, immediately, that spider sense thing you hear about, but immediately I'm looking over there thinking, wow, I think we got one right there. I think we got one right there. There was a slide I had in presentations a couple years back that talks about the fact that dating and domestic violence will leave you with a lifetime of heartache and broken dreams. And it's true. It is true. Even for those, by the way, even for those who catch on and find a way to break free, it doesn't magically go away. We've seen this in some of the episodes with survivors. Just because they break up with somebody, it's not like it's a whole new day. It isn't like it was raining for a couple of weeks and you know the skies were dark and everything was soaking wet. And then all of a sudden the sun comes out and it's just great. They carry this. They carry this with them. So even after breaking up, it's still there's still echoes of what was going on. And they're loud and they're strong and they don't really stop. Months and years can go by. And there's so many reasons to pay attention. One of the things that's so sad about people who feel like this could never happen to them or could never happen to their children or doesn't happen in their neighborhood, one of the saddest things is they are not prepared because they slammed the door on the information. The information is here in this podcast. I try to put out as many episodes as possible. And it's another reason why I wrote the book, the When Dating Hurts book, is to put things out there so people could read them. People could learn things that I didn't know. Our family didn't know. My daughter didn't know. I want to read for you an email that I received today. Seeing this email pushed me to do this recording I'm doing right now. But let me go ahead and read it. This uh, young woman says, I am an SJU, that's St. Joseph's University. I am an SJU grad, class of 2016. I remember when you came to give a talk about Kristen's story, followed by a presentation on what the cycle of abuse looks like and what to look for. I just wanted to let you know that the information you gave directly helped me identify when my sister was in an abusive relationship with her ex-boyfriend and that we needed a game plan to get her out of the situation safely. Further down the road, it helped me stop my own relationship in its tracks the first time I noticed the cycle starting before it even had the chance to become physical. Knowing what that cycle looks like is so important 
Because when you are inside one of those relationships, it really does feel like isolated incidents that will never happen again and that you can move on from without breaking up. So I wanted to let you know that hearing Kristen's story and being armed with knowledge and statistics really can make a difference for other women. So thank you for sharing. I mean, what a great email to see today. It lit a small fire under me that maybe I should just get the mic and just chat unscripted with you. I really do look forward to doing the interviews. I really like being involved. What I mean is being the conduit of the information. I don't really generate the information. I just make sure it goes from those who know to those who need to know. And that's really you, I feel. I want to see people armed with the truth. I want each of you to be ready. I don't want you to be caught off guard as my daughter was and her friends were. Nobody would ever think that someone they're dating who they think they like and someone who likes them, no one can picture things getting so out of hand that someone gets killed. And it doesn't happen all the time, but it can happen. When my daughter and my son were small, my wife and I used to say to them that there were two things that were really important to us about them. One was that they were safe, and number two was that they are happy. But you can't be happy unless you're safe. And my wife and I would never be happy if we thought our kids were unsafe. And clearly, Kristen was very unsafe right to the very end. I encourage you to continue listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast and to urge others to listen. I realize some of the stories will stretch you because of what the content is about. I feel at times it's important not to sugarcoat the reality of how bad things can get. I want people to see it for what it is. I want people to dislike what it is so much that they will take the necessary steps so that it doesn't become part of their lives and the lives of people in their family, the lives of people who are their friends or co-workers. So with that in mind, this podcast pulls back the curtain and shows it for what it really is. And it's despicable what happens. There are many times when I'm interviewing someone that out loud I say, oh my God, I do the hosting, I do the interviews, and I do the editing, and I edit out a lot of what I say. But I say it, I feel it, and I understand from a lot of the emails I get that people who are listening feel the same way I do, and it hurts, and it hurts because it means so much to us. Let me leave you here by saying that everyone deserves a good, positive, and safe life. Everybody deserves the opportunity to look forward to things, to have a purpose, to make things better. And we all have to understand that those who are engaged in domestic violence, who are on the giving end of it, the perpetrators, the abusers, They need to deal with it. They need to get help. 
they need to stop. And those who are on the receiving end, or potentially on the receiving end, need to learn all they can about this and have to be committed to getting it out of their lives. I would never say it was easy. There is no quick fix. For a relationship to become so awful, so entangled, it does take time to get out. It's not a quick thing. For someone who wants to get out, I implore you to get professional help. That means mostly domestic violence agencies seek help from them. And another place to start is just by calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. 800-799-SAFE. And talk with someone. But then try to get to a local domestic violence agency and work out a safety plan or escape plan. Because each one is different. There is not any one-size-fits-all with safety plans. You need one that works specifically for you. It takes a lot of courage to get out of one of these relationships, but there is a better life when you're out. And with that in mind, for everybody else, the deal is don't get into one. I want to say here that if you have a story you want to tell on the When Dating Hurts podcast, email me directly at Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. That's Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. I do my best to answer every email, and I look forward to hearing from you. Together we can do a lot of good in this world by learning about this subject, taking this issue seriously, and then doing something about it. And I want to thank each of you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast and encouraging others to do the same. Take good care of yourself and those you care about by learning as much as you can about domestic violence, starting with the warning signs, and promise yourself that the only person who's going to run your life is you. Thank you for listening, and have a good and safe 2024. Thank you for listening to the When Dating Hurts podcast. We have been steadily moving up in podcast review rankings based on downloads in the relationships category. That means more and more listeners are getting the kind of advice that can improve lives for victims, survivors, and their families. If you feel we need to hear your story, do not hesitate to email me at Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com. That's Bill Mitchell at WhenDatingHurts.com.